Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 612 for release on Sunday, November 15th, 2020. On the program today, Radio Nepal on shortwave, uh, the Bangladesh DX report, and more DX news. During the past almost three quarters of a century, Nepal has been noted on shortwave at a total of five different transmitter locations. We begin our story today at their earliest location, which, as Ray Robinson tells us, was not at the capital city of Kathmandu, but rather in a country town some 250 road miles distant. Thanks, Jeff. This first location was at Biratnagar, the congested regional city of Biratnagar in eastern Nepal, with its quarter-million population, lies just three miles from the border with India. The metropolitan locale was named Biratnagar, which in translation means the huge village, and the name honours an ancient local leader, King Virat. Biratnagar is listed as the industrial capital of the nation of Nepal. On December 13, 1950, at 8.30pm, a new shortwave voice was heard in Nepal, and it identified on air in the Nepali language as Nepal Prajatantra Radio, meaning Radio Democracy, Nepal. This temporary clandestine radio democracy operated with 150 watts on 7100 kHz in the 41-metre shortwave band that was in use for both amateur communication and programme broadcasting. This new low-power shortwave radio station was heard with a good signal in nearby areas of Nepal and India, for example at Kathmandu, Darjeeling and Calcutta. It's probable that the technical equipment for radio democracy was already in use as a communication station for contact with a similar station in Kathmandu. The Kathmandu communication station was installed at a suburban location identified as Akashbani, meaning a voice from the sky, a name borrowed from India. The second shortwave location in Nepal was at Singer Durbar. Three months after Radio Democracy was launched in Biratnagar, the technical equipment was removed and installed in Singer Durbar in Kathmandu, together with additional electronic items from the Akashbani station. The actual site at Singer Durbar, which means Lion Palace, by the way, in the Royal Administrative Area of Kathmandu, was inside a two-storey building previously in use as a school for the children of the royal families. The new radio broadcasting station, known initially as Nepal Radio, was inaugurated on April 1, 1950, with the same 150 watts on the same shortwave channel, 7100 kHz. When the daily routine settled down, the station was on the air in three daily transmission periods totaling three and a quarter hours. The third location was at Jawalakel. A decade later, a transmitter station was constructed at Jawalakel, three miles southeast from Kathmandu. A single 5 kilowatt shortwave transmitter 
assembled by AWA in Australia with Philips and AWA components and made available by Australian Aid, was installed and taken into service in 1956. Monitoring reports suggest that this transmitter was in use mainly on 7105 kHz, though earlier short-term usage was noted on 7100 and 6004 kHz. A second 5kW shortwave transmitter, similar to the first, and again made available by Australian Aid, was installed at Jawalakel six years later in 1962. This new transmitter seems to have been more flexible in its frequency usage, and monitoring reports indicate that it transmitted on at least seven different shortwave frequencies, though 5005 kHz became its standard channel. After the inauguration of another shortwave station at a separate location, the Jawalakel station was reserved to standby status, though the two low-power shortwave transmitters were activated for a brief series of test broadcasts once each year. Ultimately, transmitter 1 was to be cannibalised for parts to enable transmitter 2 to be activated, and soon after the turn of the century, this sort of double transmitter was removed from Jualakel, and the station itself was then closed. Shortwave location number 4 was at Sinbu Baisapati, some 5 miles southeast from Kathmandu, where in 1983 Japan constructed a new medium wave station. When Jawalakel was closed, the hybrid 5kW shortwave transmitter was removed and reinstalled at Sinbu Baisapati for use as an emergency standby unit on the same 5005 kHz channel. However, around the year 2013, this transmitter was finally also unusable and silenced forever. Location number 5 was Kumaltar. During the year 1968, a 100kW Marconi shortwave transmitter from England, model BD253, was installed in a new transmission facility located at Kumaltar, also some 5 miles southeast from Kathmandu. Test broadcasts from this unit began on 9590 kHz in late summer, though an additional channel, 7165 kHz, was added during the next year, 1969. Ten years later, in 1978, an American 100kW Harris shortwave transmitter, model SW100, was added, and both units were then active with parallel programming. Give four more years to 1982, and a third shortwave transmitter was installed at Kumaltar, an updated Harris, model SW100A. His Majesty the King officially inaugurated this third unit as well as a suite of new studios on May 9, 1983. At times there were then three 100kW transmitters on the air, though there were many occasions when the low-powered 5kW transmitters at Jawalakel took over some of the main transmissions from Kumaltar. At this stage Radio Nepal introduced three channels of programming – Channel 1 was the national program on medium wave and 5005 kHz shortwave. Channel 2 was a commercial service on 7165 kHz shortwave only. And then the external service, which at different times was carried on all operational transmitters. During the year 2006, repair work was performed on the 5005 kHz transmitter and this produced a clear signal for a while – but then the old poor modulation returned. In addition, there were times when the station was off-air during power cuts in the area. 
and then in 2012, the shortwave service was closed. However, six years later again, there was a comeback. Whatever transmitter equipment was still serviceable was assembled into a low-power hybrid transmitter that was operational at between 10 and 20 kilowatts on the usual 5005 kHz channel. In September 2018, test broadcasts were noted from this unit. Now back last month here in Wavescan, we referred to an item of news in the American NASWA journal, which stated that the low-powered shortwave transmitter on 5005 kHz in Nepal was closed. So we posed the question, which shortwave transmitter at what location was closed in June 2020? Now, we've presented here in Wavescan over the past month or two our research into the history of each of the five shortwave locations in Nepal at Birat Nagar, Singa Durbar, Jawalakel, Sinbu Baisapati, and Kumaltar, each of which, incidentally, can be seen on Google Earth. And thus it becomes very clear that the last analogue shortwave transmitter in Nepal was a somewhat hybrid unit assembled from whatever was needed from the three 100 kilowatt units, one Marconi and two Harris, that was operating at around just 10 kilowatts. This transmitter was located at Kumaltar on the familiar 5005 kHz, and it was last noted on air back on September the 18th, 2018, though some transmitter tests were conducted during the following year, 2019. The 10 kW shortwave transmitter at the Kumaltar shortwave station was officially closed on June the 18th, earlier this year, 2020. And Nepal is now silent on shortwave. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Yeah, I hope you don't mind me putting in this small plug for Voice of Hope Africa. But we do have some interesting news because effective this weekend, actually, we've been able to increase our broadcasting hours from Zambia. The local electricity supply in Zambia has been much more stable in recent weeks, which has enabled this expansion. So basically, we're resuming our morning broadcasts in English from 0400 to 0800 UTC daily on 9680 and 11680 kilohertz. And we're launching a new two-hour Swahili language service in the afternoons to East Africa from 1200 to 1400 UTC daily on 9680 kHz only. The timing and frequencies of the late afternoon and evening daily broadcasts in English remain the same, except that we'll be closing a half hour earlier at 2100 UTC instead of 2130. So that's 1400 to 1600 UTC daily on 9680 and 6065 kHz, and then 1600 to 2100 UTC daily on 4965 and 6065 kHz. On Sundays, there will now be a second airing of Wavescan. The first will be at 0600 UTC on 9680 and 11680 kHz. And the second, which may be audible in Europe and elsewhere, will continue to be heard at 1800 UTC on 4965 and 6065 kHz. On our website, www.voiceofhope.com, there is a full program schedule and, of course, a high-quality web stream that parallels the shortwave broadcasts, but in stereo. With love from Zambia, this is the Voice of Hope Africa, broadcasting on 4965 and 6065 kilohertz and streaming worldwide at voiceofhope.com. Worldcasting the gospel of Jesus, this is the Voice of Hope. 
And now from Nepal, we go to nearby India. And we have an email from Sandipan Basu Malik, who uh, writes on behalf of the Indian DX Club International in Kolkata, West Bengal. And he says that the Asian DX Review monthly newsletter from the Indian DX Club International is back again. After a long gap, we are pleased to release the digital edition of the much popular newsletter, he says. And he attaches a copy of the latest edition. Uh, there's a very interesting uh, article um, on the front page, in fact, of the uh, latest uh, Asian uh, DX Review. Actually, this is the October edition, the first resumed edition. And uh, it's by Dr. Supratik Sanatani. And I want to read uh, most of this article to you today here on Wayscan because it's uh, very interesting. Um, uh, look at the uh, sort of the recent history of DXing. He says, when the Asian DX review last rolled out of the press in 1990, DXing was different. There was no internet. We had to eagerly wait for the DX program like DX Jukebox, later renamed Media Network from Radio Nederland, and other DX programs to copy down the tips for DX hunting. Once in a week, we would get the sunspot numbers. DX magazines, like our Asian DX review, reached people by post. Digital frequency readout receivers were already there, but they were beyond the reach of the average listener. One couldn't buy radio receivers from the internet, and imports were prohibitively priced. We would ogle at the reviews of the Yesu FRG7. The bands were very much full of broadcast signals, and international shortwave broadcasters like the BBC, Voice of America, Radio Moscow, and Deutsche Welle were the powerhouses, besides other national and missionary broadcasts. There were a few clandestine stations, too, like Mujahideen Kalk, or stations from South Sudan. Man-made radio noise was much less because incandescent lamps were the mainstay and CFL had not yet arrived. There were no mobile phones, no mobile phone towers. During sunspot lows, the medium waves were full of Japanese regionals on lucky days. The tropical bands were all full of Indonesians in the evening. Africans appeared late evening and night, and then the Latins in the early Indian morning. The discerning DXer then logged exotic stations like Cook Islands, which Pradip Kandu did, and the antenna was a piece of copper wire. The reception reports were still sent by mail, and often with IRCs, international reply coupons, to facilitate a QSL card. QSL cards arrived by post, often with a pennant and other goodies like exciting stamps. DXers met in person over small group gatherings, through the landline, and through bulletins. Then there was a hiatus of 30 years during which period DXers did go on listening, QSLing, face-to-face meetings, DXpeditions, and communicating through land phones. The couple of exciting DXpeditions along the Bay of Bengal did keep us enthused about DXing. Then came the Internet. It developed slowly but steadily and changed the very face of DXing. DXing was gently turned upside down. Where are we today? As the internet grew, it took a toll on radio broadcasting, especially on shortwave. As you could get instant news online and listen to a distant station through live streaming, shortwave stations began to close down. Deutsche Welle is an example. 
It ran its Trincomalee relay station through the thick of the Tamil Elam movement and beamed in excellent signals to Africa, the Far East, South Asia, but closed down its own services in 2015 and handed it back to the Sri Lanka Broadcasting Corporation, who now rent out airtime from there. The power-guzzling shortwave transmitters were a poor second to FM and Internet and began to close down. Today, the national broadcasters have shortwave broadcasting mainly focused to the African continent. The void was taken up somewhat by the missionaries, and it isn't uncommon to find Transworld Radio and Adventist World Radio broadcasting from relay stations of national broadcasters around the world. Medium wave, however, still remains relevant to cover thinly spread communities over great distances. And long wave in Algeria, Mongolia, and Romania survives for the same reason. As there was an explosion of household electronic devices, the menace of man-made radio frequency interference took on an ugly proportion. To receive the simple BBC blaring to India from relay stations in Singapore and Thailand, one would need a good receiver and an antenna, and the shortwave signal would have to rise above the radio frequency interference. With the rise of internet and global trade, DXers in India, just like the rest of the world, could get the state-of-the-art radio receivers sometimes delivered right to their doorsteps. As the number of DXers dwindled, the manufacturers like ICOM and Alinko stopped making lower-end receivers like the R75 and the DXR8T. In the meantime, the entry of software-defined radios, or SDRs, was a revolution. From the lower-priced RTL dongle to the Perseus, Suddenly, PC or laptop matched the performance of the best communication receiver. You did not need to stay up late to scan the band for that Vietnamese regional because your SDR would switch on, scan the entire band, ready for you to listen at your pleasure. QSLing took a different dimension altogether with EQSLs now the rule. Babul Gupta's EQSL of LRA-36 in Antarctica was a big sensation in the Indian media, and it brought in a good number of new hobbyists. The sunspots played a spoiler, too. The prolonged sunspot low of Solar Cycle 24 pushed the shortwave bands out of function for some time, but medium-wave DXers could relish distant catches. The shortwave broadcasts in the tropical bands were almost gone. Bulletins of the past were replaced by Facebook and WhatsApp groups, which could communicate instantly. Then there are personal and group blogs, and the flagship DX clubs kept up their presence online, like the Australian Radio DX Club. Glenn Hauser, with regular monitoring posts and the Standing Tall World Radio TV Handbook, have also kept DXing alive. S. Aoki's exhaustive frequency list would give you the latest radio frequency reference you wanted, just as the medium wave list would. On the broadcasting side, DRM is the new kid on the block, and many broadcasters now have DRM simulcast. The standalone DRM receivers have had their own hardware issues, but the SDR fills the gap. However, this mode is yet to catch up. So where does the Asian DX Review Digital Edition fit in? It now comes with our own flavor of DX reporting. We are here to give a life to those frequency lists and schedules, and encourage others to speak. Our aim is to keep DX alive and speaking. 
That article by Dr. Supratik Sanatani in the latest edition of the Asian DX Review, the October edition, actually. Uh, uh, Indian DX Club International, which publishes it, is an informal association of DXers, mainly from India, headquartered in Kolkata. The club brings out the Asian DX Review DX Bulletin, which is presently an online publication and is distributed free. It's also been active in organizing de-expeditions and promoting the hobby of radio DXing in general. And if you have feedback, loggings, etc. for publishing an Asian DX review, you can contact the Indian DX Club International by email. Here's the address, idxc.international at gmail.com. Again, that's idxc.international dot international at gmail.com so thanks a lot to uh, Sandipan Basu Malik and everyone there at the Asian DX Review and congratulations to them for uh, resuming the publication of their excellent DX bulletin now we're going very close to there again Bangladesh here's Salahuddin Dalar with his Bangladesh DX report for this month Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, welcome you in another edition of Bangladesh DX Report in Webiscan. This is Salauddin Dollar from Ratshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio stations. November 1st, Anisk World Radio Bengali Service Listeners Mailback Program was heard at 1315 UTC on 11685 kHz. The ISIU code was 444. BBC Bengali Service News and Current Affairs program was heard at 1340 UTC on 11710 kHz. The SIO code was 333. November 2nd, Radio Farda Persian Service musical program was heard at 1705 UTC on 5860 kHz. The SIO code was 333. BBC Bhaya Dushanave Korean program was heard at 1710 UTC on 5895 kHz. The SIO code was 333. Voice of Turkey Azeri service musical program was heard at 1718 UTC on 5965 kHz. The SIO code was 333. BBC Bhaya Alsila Dari language program was heard at 1730 UTC on 6090 kHz. The SIO code was 433. November 3rd, All India Radio Dari service Indian music was heard at 1435 UTC on 11560 kHz. The SIO code was 333. FEBC Radio Gospel song was heard at 1441 UTC on 11600 kHz. The SIO code was 444. Radio Romania International Chinese service closing announcement with interval signal was heard at 1457 UTC on 11825 kHz. The SIO code was 333. November 4th. Voice of Turkey, Urdu service, playing Turkish music was heard at 1330 UTC on 15390 kHz. The SIO code was 
1343. Radio Saudi Arabia, Arabic talk was heard at 1348 UTC on 17615 kHz. The save code was 333. Adventist World Radio, Bhaya Talata Valandari, Vietnamese program was heard at 1345 UTC on 17770 kHz, the SIO code was 343. Doi Sevele, Bhaya Ishudu Hausa program was heard at 1338 UTC on 17800 kHz, the French language program was heard at 1340 UTC on 17880 kHz. The ISO code was 242. KNLS Russian program was heard at 1827 UTC on 9880 for sharing his log with us. If you have any comments and suggestion and send your reception report to dxbangla at the rate gmail.com. The address again dxbangla dxbangla at the rate gmail.com. Okay, I will come with more DX news in the next edition. Till then, take care. Salahuddin Dollar, Ratshahi, Bangladesh. Thank you very much, Salahuddin. Music from Asna Alapuza in India ends this edition of WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the radio story on four Greek islands. We'll have the story of an important Indian medium wave station. In fact, we have an item from uh, Joseph Jacob telling us that after the decommissioning of five shortwave transmitters of 50 kilowatts by All India Radio last month, next is the turn of medium wave transmitters. The 200 kilowatt medium wave transmitter of AIR Alabuza in Kerala was closing down according to a press report of November 7th. But Joe Jacob tells us that the AIR Alabuza 576 kilohertz decommissioning has been put on hold. We'll have a station profile of this important medium wave station on Wavescan next week, as well as our Australian DX report from Bob Padula. Several QSL cards are available for this program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for Wavescan to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSL cards is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, 
P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to WaveScan, other than reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone. Not-